Welcome to the Ubuntu Nutrition Podcast with your host, Patty. I realized my intros were sounding pretty fucking ridiculous, so I've changed them up. I'm just going to speak normally now. Today's episode is a basic explanation of calories and the main macronutrients, protein, carbohydrates, and fat, as well as alcohol. So sit back, relax, and listen up. What's up everyone? Hope you're all doing well. I think this is a Monday that I'm releasing this. And then I have a guest podcast on the Wednesday. So I wanted to have a schedule where I release the same day every week. But that's all gone to shit. Okay, so welcome. This is episode number four. And today I am just covering a very, very basic topic, calories and macronutrients, okay? I just first want to say thanks so much again to everyone that is commenting, giving me feedback and sharing it. I hope that I'm providing some quality, even though I'm only three episodes in. So far I've had, so what I use is Acast, which is where I actually upload the audio file and then it kind of distributes it to Spotify and Apple. And like you can check your statistics on that. And right now I just passed 200 downloads. So I'm not sure what downloads technically is. If that's listens or is that people that are downloading it to their device. If you know, maybe you can reach out and let me know. Okay, so last week we I covered the second part of the weight loss series. Where I was looking at the metabolic adaptation that occurs when you institute a highly restrictive caloric deficit. And then that was number part one. And then part two was where I looked at some strategies that can maybe help to offset this metabolic adaptation and kind of enhance your likelihood for achieving sustainable weight loss. So first I want to apologize for the shittiness of that audio. I had about five different things pop up when I was recording. So there was a dog barking. Uh, cars were flying by. The postman came into the driveway and it all popped up on the microphone. And it just, I had to kind of pause and snip a bit. And so if you listen to that episode, you'll hear during when I was discussing protein recommendations, there's a pause of about 20 seconds where I'm just not saying anything. And that was just something I messed up editing. So I apologize for that. Some people messaged me and said they thought their phone froze or and they just left. They re-downloaded it, but no, that was just a fuck up. So I'm very new to this game. Please bear with me. Okay, so as I said, we'll always go through the rationale of why I'm doing an episode about the content I'm going to cover. And so I suppose our rationale today is for calories and macronutrients, where I'll just discuss basically what they are and why they're important. And the rationale is because I just believe people simply don't know. They don't know enough information about these. And I see too many times friends and, you know, people on social media mentioning, you know, interesting articles, commenting about stories they see in the newspaper, magazines, or even on social media regarding nutrition. And they're giving their opinions about it or they're kind of wielding it as discussion points but they're skipping a crucial step. So 
they're skipping the crucial step of actually understanding the physiology that goes behind this new trendy article they're speaking to. So if we look at one example, sugar is bad. And if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see I posted this story or yeah, a story of this famous podcaster, Lewis Holmes, which I usually love, but he had this doctor on his podcast who was basically slating the back of fruit and saying, there was one quote where he's literally like, so what's the difference between apples and apple juice? And the doctor said, well, they're both terrible for you. And that was just fucking hell. You might as well fucking stop listening. But if an article comes out where it says sugar is bad, you have, you'll have a lot of people on social media, you know, posting this saying, wow, this is crazy. This is new information, but they're skipping that first step of the context. They need to know the context or the physiological underpinning of that to disseminate whether this information is, you can actually apply it to all individuals or if it's just with specific regard to one study that was just looking at one type of person, right? So if we're just using the example of fruit is bad, fruit is not bad. It contains a whole range of essential micronutrients like vitamins and minerals, okay? Fruit intake has been consistently shown to have a negative correlation with cancer incidence. And then if we're looking at just the sugar content of it, I mean, okay, so sugar at the end of it, metabolically, is digested the same, but that doesn't mean you avoid all sugar-containing foods. You don't use that one, you don't you don't demonize that one nutrient. If you were to do that, then very few foods would be edible or it would be recommended to be consumed, you know? So you have these social media kind of warriors posting these articles or these very trendy new findings, quote-unquote, based on unidimensional thinking with respect to just one, say, pathway that, yes, okay, an apple does have a lot of sugar in it, technically, but it also has a range of healthful compounds. This is the first step of me providing just a bit of background to what calories are, what carbohydrates, proteins, fats are, so that when you hear stories or articles relating to these or very interesting clickbaity like revelational findings you can say sit back and say hmm well i know this about calories so you know i'm going to take what you're saying with a grain of salt or i'm not even going to give it much thought without consulting someone or making my own decision on it so i really made shite of that but hopefully you know what i mean i'm trying to give you the information with which you can make your own decision and that is all i'm about at ubuntu okay and I'm not cutting this one out because last week sounded absolutely terrible. So, because I had to snip some of the dog barking and things. So, I'm going to keep rolling. All right. So, calories. What are calories? Basically, calories are a unit of energy. And scientifically speaking, it is the energy that is needed to heat up one kilogram of water by one degree Celsius. I might have lost a few of you there. Don't worry too much about it. That is just technically speaking what it is. Now, when you see calorie calories on the side of a box on a nutrition label, you'll usually see kilocalorie, and that's not the same as a calorie. One kilocalorie is actually equal to a thousand of these calories, right? And that's denoted by kcal, which you'll see. So it's a lowercase k and then an uppercase c a l, and that's what you'll usually see on the side of a nutrition label. 
And then next to it, you'll usually say, or you'll usually see, kilojoules. And that's usually a larger number. So you don't have to worry about that. That is just basically a new way of measuring energy that was pioneered by scientists. And it's in relation to work. And it's the work needed to move one newton, one meter. All right. And that's, it's just a larger number. So if you're wondering when you're looking at nutrition labels, why there's that number KJ, and it's, it's on every single label. Wherever there's calories noted, there will be kilojoules. That's all it is. So it's just a different way of measuring. It's not a different nutrient. It's just a different way, a different measure. Calories are simply a measure of the energy we consume and put out. Okay, so we consume energy through our food, through the three, or sorry, four main macronutrients, which are carbs, carbohydrates, fat, protein, and alcohol. And yes, alcohol is a macronutrient because it actually contains energy. Now, we need calorie or we need energy, apologies, for all the movement that we do throughout the day, but not just movement, for our body's internal systems to keep going. You know, cellular interactions, organ function, they all need calories. That's just, I suppose, a basic introduction to what they are. And calories are simply the measure of the energy. The energy is what we should focus on, not just the literal term or label calorie. Now, the macronutrients I mentioned, they're called macronutrients because they're larger and they provide energy. And then the other type of nutrient is micronutrients, and that's your vitamins and minerals. And they are micro because you need them in very small amounts, and they actually do not provide energy at all. But they are still essential. When I say essential for the entirety of this episode and any hereafter, that just simply means, nutritionally speaking, that you need to consume it through your diet because you cannot produce sufficient amounts endogenously in the body. That's a fancy-ass word now, endogenously. And it basically means internally. Okay, so... If I use it, I sound a bit more scientific and you might be slightly more prone to believing me. Anyway, I've also noticed that after I make a point, I use okay a lot. So I'm really trying to cut that out because I had to cut a few of them out last week. Okay, squeaky chair too. Right, so moving on. Now I always, so diving into the macronutrients, I always like to start with protein. Even though you'll often hear of people starting with carbohydrates, protein is such an essential nutrient and it's often overlooked and sometimes it's demonized. So I, I just like to start with it. So basically protein are long chains, proteins sorry, are long chains of amino acids called peptides. And these join together to form these peptides. So the amino acids, they join together through peptide bonds with each other in all different combinations to form these long peptide chains and that's essentially what muscle is and pretty much all tissue now there are 20 naturally occurring amino acids and nine of these are known to be essential so if you remember as i just mentioned we can make 11 of these in the body internally however we cannot produce nine of them and these are the essential amino acids Now, there are three of these that are the branched chain amino acids. Now, I won't go into these too much, but they're basically the 
would say the most rate limiting. Wow. Rate limiting amino acids. So these are really needed to switch on that muscle building effect called protein synthesis. Even though all the essential amino acids are crucially important, these three are, we'll just say, the upper tier or the upper echelon. And that's why you have supplements with, you know, branched chain amino acids. They're associated with the flicking on of that muscle building switch. Okay, but I'm sure we're going to have a lot more protein specific episodes. Now, amino acids are pretty much the basis of everything, all human life. They form peptide bonds, as I mentioned, to produce muscle and they're incorporated into muscle and pretty much all tissue. They're needed for the production of key enzymes in the body. Some amino acids act as antioxidants in the body. They're also incorporated as protection into skin, hair, teeth, cartilage, and many others, tissues in the body. And finally, they're a precursor for transmitters or neurotransmitters, such as adrenaline or noradrenaline, or epinephrine, norepinephrine. So how much protein do we need? First off, you might have a general idea of the recommendations currently by, you know, EFSA, the European Food Safety Authority. These have been shown to actually underestimate the amount of protein we need. And this is due to a variety of reasons. Namely, it's the amount needed for just human survival, not optimal function. And the other macronutrients, so fat and carbs, their recommendations are actually for optimal function. So protein hasn't protein recommendations aren't adjusted for that. Also, a really interesting one is the the studies. So the methods used in the studies to determine optimal protein needs, and the way they determine this is basically they're trying to hit a balance between protein buildup and protein breakdown. And so they're looking at you know the the balance between what's known as protein synthesis and breakdown in the muscle. Okay, so. Optimally, you want to have a perfect balance or an increased breakdown to, or sorry, an increased buildup to breakdown if you're trying to gain lean muscle or lean mass. And basically what they do is they obviously feed these participants a certain amount of protein and they have different measures to see what the, you know, the net balance is. However, these methods have been shown to be flawed significantly and it's actually really difficult to assess this net protein balance. And so these recommendations that are based on these flawed methods, you know, they're quite disputed in the literature. So right now the recommendation is 0.83 grams per kg of body weight. Now I might be losing you because you're like, oh fuck, here he goes again, grams per kg of body weight. Why can't he just tell me how much grams I need? We don't do that because different people are different sizes. They have different lifestyles they have different goals and so it's just better and it's more efficient or prudent to calculate it as a function of your kgs and it's very simple so the actual rec the newer more updated evidence-based recommendation is actually so if you're sedentary which means you're not particularly active and let's say you're just a normal weight the recommendation is between 1.2 and 1.8 grams per kg per day so let me just make this simple if you're 80 kg you just multiply i'll take the middle 1.4 grams by your weight and that's 112 grams of protein per day all right and then 
Oh, there I go again. All right. I got to stop saying that in between. And then if you're active, you can raise this to a range of 1.4 to 2 grams per kg of body weight. And if you're 80 kg again, that's upwards of 130 grams per day. And then you can actually keep going and it gets a bit more you know, nuanced when you're looking at athletes and then athletes who are trying to lose fat but maintain muscle or athletes that are they have high resistance training loads so there you know there's a lot of intricacies there but basically don't be afraid of protein all right it's a very important nutrient and it can actually aid weight loss now just before we move on to carbohydrates it's really important that you understand you need a stimulus for muscle growth so just increasing your protein isn't enough i've definitely chatted to people who are telling me oh yeah i'm having my protein shake every day should i start taking creatine pa i'm like oh how's the gym going I don't go to the gym. I'm just taking protein. I'm just like, hmm. That doesn't make any fucking sense. I mean, if you're 70 years old, then a protein shake can be effective and you're not going to have a 70-year-old in the gym doing biceps unless you're a Schwarzenegger. You need a stimulus and the stimulus is the breakdown of muscle through lifting weights. Okay, and that's another reason why you should start strength training no matter who you are. Don't worry about getting bulky. That's not a thing. You just don't get bulky by lifting weights two to three times a week. You know, well, you can, but you're not going to be this huge bodybuilder. Moving on. (laughs) This is going to be a funny podcast when it comes out. Let me know if this more casual approach is an easier listen or if it's just annoying. Sorry, lastly, before moving on, protein contains approximately four calories per gram. Okay, so for each gram of protein you're going to consume, that would be four calories of energy, or the kilocalories. All right? I gotta stop saying it right. Looking at carbohydrates, they also contain four calories per gram, approximately. Now, cal- carbohydrates are the main source of energy for our body. So basically, they'll break, they'll be broken down in whatever form they're consumed. There's many different forms of carbohydrates, from simple up to highly complex. And they'll all ultimately be broken down to the same product, which is glucose. And this glucose provides the raw material, which will undergo a a series of interactions to provide the pure energy for our cells. And that is ATP. I'm just going to get really complicated. It's adenosine triphosphate, but that's it. You don't need to worry about it. But glucose provides the raw material for this. Now, fats and protein can undergo a series of reactions and they can ultimately provide this. And actually, fats can provide a lot more ATP. However, they do so much slower. And that's why carbohydrates kind of are associated with energy production because they are the most efficient source. And it's what our body in its natural form prefers. You know, unless you're instituting a ketogenic diet where you're cutting out carbohydrates, your body makes adaptations. Because they're beautiful machines, it's insane, but it makes adaptations where it prioritizes fat. And, you know, fat can actually be broken down to form ketones. And then these ketones can then provide the ATP. Okay, so getting into the weeds there a bit. So basically, everything, all carbohydrates are a sugar or glucose at the end. Complex carbohydrates are simply longer chains of glucose units bonded together and or sugars we'll say and these are just known as polymers 
right? So they're just longer chains. It's the same way a peptide polymer is a large number of amino acids bonded together. When we look at carbohydrates in the body and how they're stored, you'll often have heard me mention glycogen. And that is basically just how we store carbohydrates in the body. All right. And it's basically just one big, long, complex carbohydrate. So it's just a number of glucose molecules all attached together. And that's stored in our muscle and our liver. And our liver uses it to, you know, maintain blood sugar levels. And our muscles use it to produce energy, to move. Now, if you consume a lot of carbohydrates and primarily we'll say simple carbohydrates, you know, the typical Western diet is like over 60 to 70% carbohydrates all the time. What happens is when they are broken down into sugars in the body, they're released into the bloodstream, your blood sugar will spike, insulin is produced to bring down that blood sugar or to normalize it. But if this is constantly happening, you're going to have a lot of blood sugar spikes and troughs, is, which is where when it drops down. And that is not optimal for health, we'll say, which is a weird way to say it, but it's basically, it's not viewed as healthy. You want to have as stable blood sugar as possible. That's how, you know, diabetes effectively develops is a high intake of carbohydrates, you know, alongside obesity, where there's constant fluctuations in blood sugar and insulin is constantly being produced and then your cells become insulin resistant, but that is really getting into the weeds. So... In terms of recommendations, you want to aim for, if you're just a normal person, you're sedentary, we'll say, you just do regular physical activity, you know, two to three times a week, you want to aim for three to five grams per kg of body weight. And if you're an athlete, you can aim between six and 10. And then if you're extremely active, you can aim between 10 and 12 grams per kg per day. However, I don't really recommend using this method. I just recommend for, you know, normal sedentary people a cupped handful of whole grain carbohydrates at each meal. And then if you're active, two cupped handfuls at each meal. And if you're highly active, just try to increase this as much as possible. You know, just increase your portions of whole grain carbohydrates. And then obviously you're going to get your carbohydrates, you know, the simple forms through fruits, you know, through sweets and sweetened beverages. So just try to limit your added sugar intake to less than 10% of your energy intake. Lastly, fats. Oh, sorry, not lastly. I have to touch on alcohol at the very end. But lastly, fats. So fats contain nine nine calories per gram. They're the most energy-dense nutrient by far. So more than twice the energy of carbohydrates and protein, as you'll see. Now, a a fat molecule is known as a triglyceride, which if you remember leaving cert biology, for those Irish people or high school biology, for the American listeners, is three fatty acids connected to a glycerol and that's all i'll say about that i'm not going any further now we need fats for many reasons and remember i said that these are highly essential because fats are actually important for the production of hormones so they're actually incorporated and are the raw material for hormone production in the body the transport of fat soluble vitamins around the body so your vitamins a d e and k need fats to be transported and absorbed in the body. Cell protection, so they're actually incorporated into the membranes or the outer layer of cells. So in that way, they provide protection and structural, we'll say, integrity. 
obviously the insulation of our organs. You know, fat insulates our body and protects our vital organs. And as an energy store, as a long-term energy store. So if we do, God forbid, have to go weeks on end without food, you have an, a long-term energy store of fats, which, as I mentioned earlier, you can actually convert into energy in the absence of carbohydrates. And the typical individual will have anywhere between you know, 50 and 100,000 calories stored as fat, which is pretty insane. Now, I'm not going to dive too far into this, but I have often received the question, are there healthy and unhealthy fats? And I suppose, you know, I really do try to avoid using the labels healthy and unhealthy. Now, I didn't in the past, but your saturated fat would technically, we'll say, be defined as risk-promoting fat. And high saturated fat intake, and saturated fat is basically... It's just a type of fat that is solid at room temperature. And this is just due to the configuration of the molecule itself. But, you know, butter, cheese, and coconut oil, dark chocolate, they all contain saturated fat. High levels of saturated fat intake are correlated with high LDL concentrations, which is your bad cholesterol, we'll say, to keep it simple and increased risk of cardiovascular disease and events so like heart attack stroke and what you should try to do is try to keep saturated fat to less than 30 percent of your total fat intake so the new recommendations are between i believe it's five to six percent of your total energy intake should be saturated fat and then the other type is unsaturated fat which is basically liquid at room temperature and this is separated into mono and polyunsaturated fat, which I'm not going to go into. It's just the carbon bonds in the chemical configuration. But as I said, you get this from your oils and your, you know, your oily fish. And unsaturated fat will provide you with you know, your omega-3 fatty acids, which are extremely important. And this should make up between 70 and 80% of your total fat intake. Now, in terms of overall recommendations, your fat intake can actually be given as a percentage of your total energy intake. So, whereas with carbohydrates and protein, I would have told you to calculate it based off your kilograms body weight. Fat, you can just give a straight up percentage of your energy intake. And that is between 15 and 30%. And obviously, if you, if you have any questions or you want specific recommendations for yourself just get on to me i have a really good calculator i can refer you to it's not my own i have a really good one i can refer you to which will tell you exactly what you need and then finally alcohol so alcohol is the fourth macronutrient and it truly is you know some people will actually overlook this and say it's not a macronutrient at all but it contains energy so it is and it contains seven calories per gram okay and that, that's pretty much all i'm going to cover on it it is important to understand that when you drink alcohol, I have friends who've told me, ah, you know, it's just liquid, so it must pass through you. I mean, liquid is absorbed. The energy in liquid will be absorbed and stored if you're in a calorie surplus the same way food will. And that goes for all liquids and beverages. But interestingly, when you drink, studies have shown that your liver will prioritize the alcohol and so your actual carbohydrate and fat oxidation or the burning of those will actually decrease. And so, you know, I did a study in 
Limerick this year. I can't mention anything about the study, but when I was looking into the research for writing my background and rationale, what they find with university students is that they don't compensate for alcohol intake by decreasing their food intake. So if you're if you're going out, it's recommendable that you know you slightly bring down the amount of food you're going to consume that day, so you can save room for the extra calories you're going to consume in alcohol. So yeah, just to summate, alcohol is definitely a macronutrient. It contains seven calories per gram. Protein and carbohydrates contain four calories per gram, and fat contains nine calories per gram. All right, and that is pretty much it. I have two questions. Oh. Sorry, I hit the mic there and my seat squeaked. But do I need to cut carbs to lose weight? So this is a fantastic question. It's anonymously submitted. I didn't actually put up a question box with regard to this specific episode. So I just went back and looked at some questions I've received in the past. Now, this is a big one. For some people I've actually talked to, carbs are actually interchangeably used with calories so they're thought of as the same thing and this is why i did this episode you know it's really important to understand that they're not the same thing so i would say you might need to cut carbs to reach an energy deficit if you're over consuming energy but you do not need to cut carbs out to lose weight there has been many many studies showing that weight loss is not carb dependent and that when calories are controlled between a high fat and a high carbohydrate diet, that weight loss is actually the same. Now, there are some researchers out there that are pushing this hypothesis that the global pandemic of obesity has been caused by high carbohydrate consumption. And that is what ultimately led to this demonization of carbohydrates. But it's just a wave. It's a wave of misinformation. Because if you remember 20 years ago, the fad was low fat. And now it's high fat. So, you know, these waves come through, but they ultimately, they're transient and they pass. If you just kind of stay steady and weather the storm. But the current evidence says with regard to this carbohydrate causing obesity hypothesis that it's actually just due to the high energy content of these diets that will obviously have high carbohydrates as well. So it's not carbohydrate dependent. The hypothesis goes that if I'm eating high carbohydrates and the refined carbohydrates, which the typical Western diet is rich in, you know, white processed refined carbohydrates, as you will have in fast food, sugar sweetened beverages, it spikes blood sugar, insulin spikes, you have insulin resistance, but constant fluctuations of blood sugar actually really or results in constant hunger levels, you know, and so you'll just have people eating more than they need to because their blood sugar is spiking and then dropping and then they become hungry and then they eat and they're just over consuming energy but that is the basically the carbohydrate insulin model of obesity and i mean as i mentioned the true evidence-based mechanism is most likely just increased energy intake that also will be correlated with high carbohydrate intake so I hope I answered that question. You do not need to cut carbs to lose weight. Once you have your... I just let that dark bite pass. Once you have your calories controlled, you will not need to cut carbs successfully to lose weight. And then finally, because I'm definitely approaching in 30 minutes, the big question is, is a calorie a calorie? 
and this is a fantastic one as well. Ultimately, as if you listen to the first part, calories are just measures of energy. And so, yes, calorie is ultimately a calorie regardless of the food it comes from. However, this is interesting because the form that you consume this energy from, so the food, we'll say, or the nutrients, they can actually influence the amount of energy you can eat and the amount of energy that you'll absorb. So if I'm using an example, a high fiber containing food, fiber will actually inhibit some of the absorption of that energy. Now it might be a small amount, but it will. And fiber will keep you fuller. So you'll actually be, we'll say, less prone to overeat or overconsume on that day that you're having a high fiber intake. So that is how different foods can differ, but ultimately calories are the same physiologically. Okay, and that is me. So I just have a quick announcement. I have a massive giveaway. So if you're listening to this on Monday, the 17th of August or anytime that week, there is a massive giveaway coming up at the end of the week where I have a Fitbit, a Nutribullet, which is the smoothie blender, a stir fry pan, three cookbooks, and a month-long coaching program with myself, which is my brand new coaching program, as well as every single person that participates can get a general basic nutrition program or guide. And so I've purchased this software and I used it for my last giveaway where it just takes me a little while to generate, we'll say, a slightly personalized nutritional guide. And so for every person that's going to take part in that giveaway, I'm actually going to provide a guide for each person. And it went off very well last time. That was the only thing I did. And I had over 350 people, 350 programs I gave out. This time I'm going to try to hit a thousand because of all the prizes I have. So look out for that. And, you know, you'll have to follow the page, like the post, share the post and comment. If you want an extra bid, subscribe to the podcast. But anyway, thank you so much. I hope this helped. Please, please, please leave a review or a rating. I don't care what the rating is, just please leave a rating. I would really appreciate it. It just gets me off the ground and it gives me more credibility when I'm trying to recruit some guests. I have some fantastic guests coming up in the next two weeks, but I need more. So I need more reviews. Thank you, people. Love you all. Peace. so much for listening to this week's episode of the ubuntu nutrition podcast i promise to stop doing the weird sullen intros and outros where i talk like this i just want to direct your attention before you go to a massive giveaway i'm releasing at the end of this week on my instagram at ubuntu nutrition i have a fitbit nutribullet non-stick stir fry pan a free nutritional coaching program and three amazing cookbooks along with a free basic program for every single person that partakes. So keep your eye out for that at the end of this week. Also, I am preparing to release my cutting-edge, evidence-based coaching program, the Ubuntu Blueprint, on September 1st. If you're interested in this or want to find out more, simply pop me a message or an email at ubuntunutrition at gmail.com or visit my website, www.ubuntunutrition.com. Thank you so much, everyone, and have a fantastic day.